Ben Nash here. I'm a co-founder at XY Advisor and founder of financial advice business Pivot Wealth. My business baby I started from scratch a bit over six years ago. In that time, I have leveraged some of the learnings of the XY community to scale the business and become one of the better known financial advice businesses for high income accumulators. You can join me each Tuesday as I have the privilege of interviewing some amazing people where I'll selfishly be able to uh, continue my personal journey to improve every aspect of my advice process and hopefully you can learn a few things on the journey as well. Jump over to xyadvisor.com if you haven't signed up already to share and learn from other advisors or simply download the app. Zurich is the proud partner supporting this episode. As one of Australia's largest life insurers, Zurich encourages the promotion of positive conversations leading to a more sustainable future for life insurance. Committed to championing financial advice through education and research-led market insights. Hey guys, Ben Nash from the XY Advisor crew and today I'm pumped to be here with Will Hamilton. Will is the managing partner at Hamilton Wealth Partners. They're uh, a Victoria-based advice firm with uh, clients around Australia. Been around for almost a decade and, and known for... Their, their client experience and service. I'm keen to pick Will's brain about what's happened through the evolution of the business and some of the lessons learned along the way. Will, thanks for joining us, buddy. No, thank you, Ben. Mate, it's, um, it's, it's great to be chatting. I think if I think about the advice industry and uh, you know what we do and how we do it, I think that there are a lot of things that are unchanged, but there has been a lot of change that we've experienced over the last uh, decade or so. So, um, I thought maybe a, a good place to start before we get into the, the evolution for you guys specifically yeah. is, is how, how is your, um, tell us a bit about the business story, you know, how it came about and how it's grown over the last nine years or so. Yeah, look, um, nine years ago, um, we just hung out a shingle, to be honest, um, and just started. Uh, it's always been from day one, uh, a firm where we only look after and a license only lets us look after sophisticated investors. So we have not looked after retail investors. Um, however, we have subsequently about six months ago with Open Invest rolled out an online solution called HWP Invest because one of the things was some of our clients wanted a solution for friends and family. So mm. that's been an online solution that we have rolled out recently. But look, when you, you hang out your shingle, um, it's, uh, I think you, there's a lot of learnings from it because the, you start off with what I, I always called the low-hanging fruit and mm. then you probably get a couple of years where it is a little bit more difficult than people envisage because people want to see if you're going to stick around. They want to see if you're going to make it and how, how you've gone um, with those clients. So um, then after about three years, it's amazing how it builds and, and you know, it, it starts to build quite nicely. And in fact, the last sort of three years have been very good for our business. Um, you know, we've looked last year at just over 30% new client growth. That's in revenue terms, mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in what was a very difficult environment. Um, so, but yes, you've, we've had to, we've worked hard. Um, and I think the one thing that we've done, which I think has been very important is we, we say we're good at what we do, or we're proud of what we do because we're proud of what we don't do. So we're very singular and make sure that excellence is, is what we, 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 we do to the best of our ability, but we don't do everything. Yeah, look, I think it's increasingly become 
um, it was difficult to begin with, but increasingly with the, the changes, your regulation, compliance standards and all of the things around that, as well as what, what people expect to be all things to, to all people. Um, so I've found for us that we, we do work with a broad range of clients, but we have a really specific solution that we offer. Mm. And knowing that is what we do and we don't do those other things, it it helps in a lot of areas, clarity for clients. I think clarity for team, onboarding team, yep. especially growing business onboarding team, not having, you know, 50 different processes that people need to work towards or systems to manage um, as well. So um, what what would you say have, have been the, the biggest changes that, that, that have come about in terms of, of how or how you do what you do or what you're what you're delivering over the evolution of your business? As I've mentioned, we're a license is for, for sophisticated investors only, but we've always taken um, a view that we want to meet what are the industry standards. Um, so everyone is foreseer compliant. Um, even though we're, we're not on the far, we don't need to be, but we think that's important. And there's no doubt that the one change in the last decade has been regulation. Mm. And there's no doubt about it. It's it's increased. Uh, I was even on the foreseeable board for two years. Um, so can't be blamed for the introduction of anything, but you know, I was there to try and, um, you know, uh, along with Louise Lackenby and um, Deb Kent, we were you know, working hard to try and put the views of uh, the advice industry uh, forward. Um, but, you know, we were three on out of nine people. And yeah, there's no doubt, you know, regulation um, has increased remarkably. I think there's still a lot of uncertainty and I think that's uh, – there's an enormous amount of uncertainty on the regulation front and that, that the industry needs clarity. Absolutely, yeah. I think I'm not an expert in the regulation and I have always tried to set up our business in a way that we're – you know, get ahead of some of the changes that I yeah. had seen potentially coming in around like no insurance commission since since day one, which has have meant that things like that have meant that we haven't had to respond to to the changes that have been pushed onto us, but more um, get in front of it. But I would agree with you totally that there is still a lot of, of uncertainty there. I think the fact that yeah. I could just open up a review into uh, you know, some of the unintended consequences of the legislation that's been put in place is testament to that. I, I think that a lot, of, in my view, a lot of the changes have had been well-intentioned and and um, I think some of them have helpful to varying degrees. But, yeah, I, I get that it is hard and it's even harder when you're having to spend time as a business to take a view on things or and then still having that sort of fear of the unknown there so i think anything they can do to, to tighten that up is, is going to be helpful for everybody and hopefully they can achieve the mandate of this um this particular review and maybe bring down some of those costs to serve to actually yeah. um make advice at all levels more accessible i think with declining advisor numbers it means that we've got you know even with the same demand but i think that the demand is increasing as well that um yeah, there's, there's more people out there. I think the majority of advisors, you want to help more people and, and be able to do that and do it profitably in a sustainable way for your business so you can be around to help people for the long term. But, yep. uh, yeah, it's, it's been huge, especially the last two years in particular, I would say, for us in terms of all the the extra requirements and, and cost, time cost in particular that goes yeah. along with that. I agree. I know you guys are, are known for your client experience and I, I know mm -hmm. that you 
you've picked up a, a few good gongs uh, around that. I, I'm keen to to hear, you know, how did that come into your focus or into your focus so so firmly, and what does that journey look like for you guys? Yeah, look, it's part of our DNA. Um, we call it the HWP way. So it's one of the things that it's, it's a very important thing, client experience. We don't call it client service because we think it's great and that it is about a client experience. Look, we explain the service that we that we will provide to anyone, but what we try to do is exceed on that. Um, so it's not just about, you know, we're lucky because, you know, being a, you know, a, a service for sophisticated investors, we've only got 90 clients. So we, you know, we're not a business which has hundreds of clients. So the personal service and the personal touch is definitely there. We've also done a lot of thought leadership things. So, you know, during the um, COVID, you know, they were via webinars, um, but, you know, we're back to live events. You know, we've got John Wiley presenting to our clients uh, next month uh, up in Sydney. We've got Mark Burgess, the uh, former CEO of the Future Fund. Um, we just had David Smorgan. We get him to talk about the link between family, communication and wealth um, to every client. Um, so as new ones come on, he talks to them. Um, we do about six of these live events a year with thought leaders. You know, we've, last year we managed to do one from memory. Uh, that was with Olivia Worth, who's head of um, loyalty at Qantas, talking about the future of travel. So these type of things are really important. We're never selling anything. We never will sell anything, but it's about providing thought leadership. And, you know, also for prospective clients to come along, we will never talk about a client. But if you turn up and you see existing clients there, you can see who are the clients of our firm. Um, And, you know, like at the David Smorgan one, we had someone who was a prospective client and he really quizzed a lot of existing clients about our service proposition, what we're like. And, And that service proposition, we've learnt from organizations that we've been to their offices we've spoken to the executives such as four seasons hotels uh, they're, they're based in toronto and you know everyone knows what the expectation is and as four seasons say everyone gets the it but what they need to do is give the wow and that's that's part of what we talk about so everybody that joins yeah. gets a book the business principles of four seasons hotels by Isidore sharp and that explains this. And Four Seasons have been small leaders in little things like, you know, they were the first people to put shampoos in the rooms. Um, make sure you've always got a comfortable bed in a hotel. You know, if you go to a hotel and it's not on a comfortable bed, well, you're stuffed, aren't you? Um, yeah. Back in the, you know, when there was what they called the Grand Hotels of London, they were the first people to let you wear jeans and you didn't have to wear a jacket and tie. Um, so... These are the sort of things where we've learned about. And then more recently, we've talked to Miller Australia. Um, they sell a refrigerator which costs $25,000 and it keeps your milk cold. Guess what? You can go to JB Hi-Fi and you can get one from a Fisher & Paykel for under 1000 bucks. And guess what? It keeps your milk cold. So if you're going to sell something which is worth $25,000 and it keeps your milk cold, you've got to have a great experience around that. And they're the sort of things we've learned. Um, we're now talking to another organisation that about this and they're just outstanding in what they do and you could substitute the word for what they do and bring in advice mm. or our industry and substitute that word and what, that's what we're learning and so I think that the thing is it's about trying trying to be as good as you can and I think that's really important being as good as you can not as good as someone else and it's not it's not arrogance we don't benchmark ourselves against anyone else in the industry we think we've got to learn from others that are really outstanding at this outside mm. our industry and yep. as being as good as we can. I'm interested to hear, maybe I'll get some ideas for, for our business, but what are a few of the th- the things that you feel for you guys, the interesting ones that deliver that wow for your 
clients? You mentioned a couple of things already there, which I think are great. But mm. Look, I think the big one is it's about contact. And I think that's, as I said, everybody understands the it, but you've got to give the wow. And you cannot be in contact with clients enough. And like, I, I'm just always surprised that when you, like, just a little thing, which I think just recently we contacted every fund manager and we wanted to know not just their exposures, but what as an organisation their attitude was to Russia. Hmm. And we wanted a statement from the organisations as what your attitude was to Russia. And we told clients we'd done this. The feedback we got from our clients just by replied emails was incredible. I'd say 40% must have would have replied to us um, that they were pleased that's what we did. So... That's one of the things, you know, if you look on our website, our saying is wealth without, wealth without values is simply money. And we don't talk about ethics. We don't talk you know, in the language of ESG because values is a very important – ethics, it's judgmental. What's ethical to you may not be ethical to me, vice versa. But So, therefore, it gets down to personal values. And that's another thing which is part of this. It's you know, We try and find out our clients' values, what these values are, and we try to make sure that we are running the money in line with what those values are. Okay. And practically, how do you do that? Because I know for us that um, we, over time, you get a sense of our clients' values and and the things Mm. that they think are important through building relationships with them. I have found, and and one of the things that we've considered but haven't implemented in the business is, is... doing more of that at the front end and, and our sort of our thinking at that time was that we there's always so much going on especially early days we're a heavily new business focused firm that mm. they you know time poor people and they're they're trying to do the budgets and pull together the share plans and the vesting schedules and all of these things that um can can sometimes in themselves be be overwhelming how do you bake that in in a way that is consistent with the experience that you want to deliver and, and works efficiently for your clients? Well, nine years ago, we said tobacco kills people. So we wouldn't allow any fund manager that, you know, and this was an issue in global equity portfolios. If you think back nine years ago, there were some really good performing funds that had tobacco in them and try and, and back then try and find an EM fund that didn't have tobacco as well. We did find one. And therefore, we said, look, we're just not, we, we took a position as a firm mm-hmm. and we told our clients that, so they understood that. Um, likewise, what we've said with Russia, and to be honest, one, we'll, we'll probably have to re, um, take one uh, fund manager off our list because of their response. Likewise, if they've got individuals, and that's really difficult, like I, I, I hear you, like one guy said to us he didn't want to invest in sugar, and now, you know, Coke has sugar. Coke bonds, for instance, in, in credit funds, it would be in there. Uh, his view was sugar is more addictive than heroin. So, yeah, we've mm. got to, you know, we've had to adjust to those sort of things and those particular values of clients. Um, and it is difficult, but it's amazing. People, you know, and and it's not age based either. Like you, know, I, the thing yeah. I think that shocked us on this is one morning we saw a client who's sold an asset and he and his wife were in their 30s and you know, realised a lot of money. And then that afternoon, we saw a couple in their 70s, in their late 70s, and they both wanted, you know, they both had what I would call a, a value-oriented stream that they wanted overlaid on, on their portfolio. Luckily, very simple, luckily quite vanilla, but this isn't age-based either. It just, 
I think that it is just as important for the elderly as they're thinking of grandchildren and things like that as it is to the young younger people. Yeah, I think that the family builders, it brings it more in, into focus and we tend to work more with the accumulated clients that are in that younger space. But uh, I would say across our entire book and the people that we talk mm. to, we often talk to the parents of our um, yeah, our clients as well. It's the it's the same deal. And I was just at a, a conference last week all around um, ESG investing and I think it was well, the stats show us that it's all on the rise and something that I think will come come more into focus. So I, it might be what's great to see. Well, back in 2016, I think it was, I used to go to, I, I'm going back to it this year, conference in Europe um, called Fund Forum International. And I kept telling lots of people about it and no one else goes to it. Um, yeah, there's 1,600 people there. Um, so if you're going to get COVID, yes, we'll get it. But, um, <laughs> and there just to hear that trend of ESG you know from six years ago and the first time I went to this conference there was probably 40 50 people on ESG in the room the next within two years it was a main it was a major stream mm. um, and you just knew this was coming so we all went and completed the UNPRI essentials um, which I highly recommend people to do um, and gives you a really good understanding of that space. Yeah, it's great. And it, it's been interesting. I actually um, chatted to a bunch of people putting together some content around ethical investing not too long ago and and talking to economists about how the the flows of capital and like the cost of capital for what you consider unsustainable or non-sustainable, I don't know the right term yeah. to bear with that, but other companies. And I think we're actually seeing this in the listed space that there are a lot of companies that are divesting assets which are yeah. – which uh, do not tick the sustainable box or being, you know, in some cases aggressively pursued to uh, be pushed out of spaces like we're seeing with AGL at the moment. Um, And I think it just naturally makes sense that I think even if it was selfish interest from the fund managers that you reach a point where that costs capital and it sort of skews out that the majority of portfolios are going to be more sustainably focused, which... I think as as someone that's hopefully got a few few more years to live on the planet, that um, is, is a good thing for, for yeah. how the world works. Um, yep. Well, how do you see the client experience is obviously broad and 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 you know goes goes into every sort of element of, of what you do. How how linked do you see that to what your actual service offering is and and do the two go hand in hand or they, do they move in lockstep or what is the influence and crossover there? So the DNA of our firm we refer to as the HWP way and it is lockstep. The whole experience is it's integrated and is part of the process on how we look after a client and, you know, it is absolutely crucial. And one of the big learnings as well is, you know, because shit happens, right? Mistakes will happen. And the one learning that we got from Four Seasons on this is the recovery is the best way to reinforce your value proposition. So when you make a mistake, it's about recovering that immediately and communicating to the client. And that is that is part of your DNA and that is how you can reinforce that value proposition. So it even goes down to that. Um, it is... It is everything. It's how we communicate. It's how we serve. Well, it is the service element. You know, 
even down to the quarterly reports, you know, we're changing portfolios a little bit at the moment. It's not just about we recommend this, we recommend that. It's there's a there's a detailed explanation as to why. Yes, it makes sense. And what it sounds like though, from what you mentioned, that you've you've talked to a number of companies that are known for providing an exceptional client experience, and it sounds mm. like that's like an ongoing something that gets ongoing focus in your business. Do you have a, or, or what is the approach that you take to, yeah, refining and improving what you're doing over time? Yeah, we're always looking. You know, there's that saying, if you stand still, you go backwards. So, mm. and we're always looking to, to what is this we think is right for us as well. So, look, I can't remember the name of the book, but I remember, yeah, four probably four or five years ago, there was that book published on Mercedes-Benz and their whole service proposition. I read it wasn't for us so yeah next um and you know I'm, and nothing against it it just wasn't us uh, and that's why i thought wow when we came across meal and i thought and got talking to them and the way that you know that, that theirs is an experience and it's an incredible experience because guess what they want to sell another fridge that's worth 25 grand um down yeah. the track to those same people and if you just sell them the fridge and there's no experience around that it's not worth the $25,000, is it? Yeah, they claim that it can keep a av- cut avocado fresh for two weeks or something. <laughs> <laughs> How much do avocados cost again? <laughs> yeah, a dollar. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think that um, it is about an experience and it's about linking with the brand and an identity with the brand and getting the client then to identify with that brand and be proud of where they are with that brand. And you need to talk about and and position that brand so that's why i find you know i I look a lot of what um other firms do especially offshore and we talk we've got some great relationships in the uk and europe and you know i i laugh like i there's a couple of the european firms if they had cameras in their meeting room and see what i do when i go into the meeting i take photos of everything I take photos yeah. of, the me- of the meeting room and how it looks. Yeah, they bring you a cup of coffee. It's got that little bit of chocolate. Guess what? I've ripped off that little bit of chocolate. So we have copied a lot, and copying is the best form of flattery. And I'm sh- I'm shameless in it, in the things that I've observed, and I think that is fantastic. And they're the little things that matter. Going to a lunch and seeing the menu. The menu was taken by me. I, I am a shameless copier of what I think are fantastic things, and that's what that's what we've done. Well, look, there's no point. There's no point reinventing the wheel, right? If you've got something that works, then it works. And but I think that the yeah, every business is different. So as you say, that some ideas are not for you, or some elements of ideas are not Correct. for you as well. So I think you've got to figure out what works for the business, your team, your clients, the outcomes that you want to work, and then you you can take that chocolate from there and that menu from there, and, yeah. <laughs> um, and leave leave some of the others that that don't. Um, yeah. Will, I'm, I'm keen to change gears a, a little bit yeah. and, and chat about um, the growth and, and drivers of that growth in your business. You mm. mentioned that you, you've, you've grown a team of 10 and sounds like solid client base, enviable stats around new business client numbers mm. and the, the growth around that. What, mm. what, what have been the biggest drivers, would you say, of that growth? Well, I think that it's all about stages and you've got to first of all if anyone's in the early stages of their business 
you need to go and establish referral partners and broad referral partners. The second thing, you've got to get your brand out there and you've got to build that brand and that's what we did. Um, and again, we were quite shameless in the way we used media. Um, but then I write for The Australian when you know, that's now once a month. You know, that originally was once a fortnight. We've cut that back and you've got to learn. The one thing which everyone says to you, everyone, when you start a business is you've got to learn to say no with what is not right for you. And of course, when you're looking for revenue, you never do. Um, mm. And everyone makes that mistake and we made that mistake. But guess what? You've got to learn to say no. And I think that's a really important thing, you know. And we've looked at, you know, even for clients borderline, so technically is a sophisticated investor, but really they're, they're looking borderline. We refer them on to other retail firms and we've got some relationships with other retail firms that we refer them on to. And those clients are better suited to those firms. Likewise, if they're wanting a heavy, what I would call financial planning experience, that's not us. We're a wealth manager. We're very good at running money. Mm. And again, we would refer them on to to another firm where we think they're going to do a far better job than us. So it is, a, and when we, we, we track everything. So we use Trello. So if anyone that doesn't use Trello, electronic whiteboards, we map everything, every referral that comes in, every conversion, every loss, when we refer on. And so we've got all the stats and we assess that. And that's a really, really important thing. And the other thing is every year we sit down, we have a five-year strategic plan. We're reviewing that on a one-year basis with one-year tactics because it always amazes me when you go to industry conferences and people say, so who here has got a business plan or strategic plan and how few hands go up in the room? If, yeah. you, don't know where you're, if you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there. So use, you know, Trello's free. Um, and I think there's all these things that are there, but you, Again, part of, you need to track all these things so you know. Again, it's part of so you can again not have part of that strategic and tactical tilts of where you're going. Yeah, and I think that for us, like you know, you're helping your clients with their wealth management. They they have that clarity in the plan that gives them confidence that what they're doing is the right thing. Yeah. I know for us, we've been using well, we use a number of business coaching, coaching programs, but one of the things that we do now is, is we do that for four months, every four months we're doing the business plan and it gives you that confidence and peace of mind, which is the same thing yeah. we do for our clients. So it doesn't have to be set in stone like our wealth management plans or our um, our financial plans for our clients aren't set in stone either, but knowing that you've got something that you're clear on where you're headed and happy with those outcomes um, gives you peace of mind but like with clients I think sometimes the simple things are the things that are easy to let slip um, yeah I agree as well well you mentioned um, referral partners and referral relationships in there I've got to put my hand up here and say that it's something that we we have never really done particularly well we do have some great partners now that I've collected over time businesses that have aligned values that we know can deliver great service but I also know with those clients and I've actually been chatting to those partners of ours over the last little bit to say what could we be doing to help you to help you know ultimately to get in front of more of your clients what would you what would be your tips there around you know how do you create build those relationships and set them up for success but ultimately to ensure that you're getting you know get getting the, the the outcomes that you want from that to in terms of talking to more people that are ideal clients for your business? So there's two things. There's existing clients, which I'll get onto later, but then there's external referral partners. So we have, the, the worst thing you can do is have a broad list. So, you know, in accountants have two or three, but make sure they fit, you know, in different 
areas. Um, mm. Likewise, in with um, divorce lawyers, we've got two because sometimes there can be a conflict naturally. Yeah. Um, you know, and you have know, real estate agents. You know, we've got only one. Um, and I put it to them. I'm, it's life is a two way street, is what I say to them. And mm. you know, we're going to refer to you. And I always try to make sure we're first out of the cab. And if they don't refer back, guess what? They're off. And we'll, there's plenty of other accountants, real estate, real estate agents divorce lawyers out there. Um, so what you're wanting to do is establish and, and you want to ensure that you're building a relationship and it's it's long term and then it just it's natural if if two way. But you've got to be quite blunt about it up front. Life is a two way street. And mm-hmm. you know, if they feel indebted to you because you're out of the box first of all, um, that's a good way to start. Um, but I'd follow up, you've got to be blunt. The second mm. thing then is with existing clients, we use an annual NPS survey. So like last year, our NPS, it's on our website, um, it was about 86, I think. Um, so, you know, which is a great result. Um, and we're quite shocked at how high it was. But what you do is if someone gives you a nine or 10, and we're okay at this, we're not great at it. They've said you're a nine or a 10, ring, you know, contact them and thank you. We'd really appreciate it if you know of anybody that, and just ask them for the, you know, to for referrals. Um, we've got better at it. And we've got a lot better at it, but we've still got a long way to go. And I think we were pretty crappy at first with those asking people for referrals. Yeah, I love that. It's um, it can get lost in the moment, but it makes sense from a targeting perspective. In that you know that you've got people that are stoked. I think that's one thing that we we're getting about a third of our clients from client referrals, and the question that we ask, which uh, I've found to be a really easy way and effective way to ask for referrals is to say to clients, hey, um, you know, you've got a ton of value. Like it seems like you're really happy. You've got some great results. We're happy with the results that you're getting. If you wanted to, if you were us and you wanted to talk to more people like you, what would what would you do? And then it actually makes them think as opposed to saying like, oh, you just want to get a just a referral and let me think about a referral. And um, I found that that does then that's it, like they might go, oh, I'll think about that, but then the referrals tend to, to flow afterwards. So mm. I like that NPS targeting though, because we do that with our clients. So I might have to uh, to to think about that to to build that into our process uh, uh, as well. And yeah, they think they ultimately end up being your biggest fans. What what are your what is the split if you if you know off the top of your head in terms of where your new clients are coming from? I'd say now fifty percent are coming from. Um existing clients so yeah the firm's got my name on it so if we go back even five years ago it was probably 80 percent worse sort of people that had a relationship with me um that's probably now 30 40 percent so it's halved at least and it's well under 50 percent and then of course we've got some good referral partners um where that's continuing to flow so i think that's also a sign of a business that's getting a little bit mature, more mature. Um, you know, we're nearly completed our ninth year and I think that's a, also a really something I was very conscious of five years ago and I'm really pleased to see that that's got well below 50% now and, you know, we've also got client referrals would be, would be probably 50%. That's great. Like I say, sometimes the simple things are the ones that we overlook but often the most effective Um mm. Mate, thank you so much for sharing your insights. My last question for you is that if you could go back to your um, yourself nine years ago, you just just hung that shingle and give them one piece of advice, what would it be? Be stricter about saying no. Um, everyone said to us, 
make sure you know, this is the type of client be, be really strong about it everyone gave me that advice and of course you don't listen to it um, <laughs> and you know we've lost very few clients over the years but the ones we have we should never have taken on mm, I love it I love it wise words there for sure Will mate thanks again really appreciate you sharing You're your welcome, story ben. thanks Sam. 